Section 10 of Autobiography of Phineas Pett by Phineas Pett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Autobiography of Phineas Pett, Part 6. Tuesday, being the 29th August, proved a very wet, rainy day, but the shipwrights of the river, which were warned to help to strike the ship upon the ways, being come together, we set on the business, and by God's blessing the ship was struck by eleven of the clock without harm to any man, which we accounted a great mercy of God. Monday, the 25th of September, was the day peremptorily appointed by His Majesty for launching the great ship, and accordingly all things were prepared in readiness for performance thereof. His Majesty, accompanied with the Queen and all the train of lords and ladies, their attendants, came to Woolwich, for the most part by water, landing at the dock stairs about twelve of the clock, and went directly on board the ship, where they stayed about one hour, and thence retired into our rooms, prepared and furnished for their entertainment. About two of the clock the tackles were set taut, and the ship started as they heaved, till the tackles failed and the water pinched, being a very poor tide, so that we gave over to strain the tackles, and began to shore the ship. Then His Majesty, with the Queen, took their barge and returned to Whitehall, being very sorry the ship could not be launched. We attempted two or three tides afterward to no purpose. It was then concluded to let the ship sit till the next spring, sitting so easily and safely that she could take no hurt. After, it was resolved the ship should lie till the spring after, which was about the 12th or 13th October following. In the interim, many malicious reports were raised to disable the ship, and to bring as much disgrace upon me as malice itself could possibly invent, all proceeding from the masters of the Trinity House and other rough-hewn seamen, with whom William Cook, one of the four masters of His Majesty's Navy, enviously adhering to pleasure Secretary Coke and Mr. Eddisbury, then newly made surveyor of His Majesty's Navy, all professed enemies to the building of the ship, and more to myself, joined together to cast what aspersions upon both as far as they durst, for fear of the king's displeasure. But the time of the spring drawing on, there was a meeting called by Sir Robert Mansell's means at Woolwich of such Trinity House Masters as were formerly employed on the business, with the officers of the Navy, to resolve of the certain day and time of launching, which was generally concluded to be on Sunday following, being the 14th of October, and that I should not attempt to stir the ship before. But on the Saturday night tide, the wind chopping up for westerly, and a fair night in hand promising a great tide to follow, I caused the two masters of the navy there attending to be ready, commanding all we could on the sudden get-together to attend us, contrary to the mind of Mr. Cook, who was very unwilling to meddle with the ship in the night, though Mr. Austin, the more resolute man, was very willing to take the benefit of the first opportunity to launch. The tide came in so fast that the ship was on float by three-quarters flood, which I perceiving thought it fit to command the ship to be heaved off, the night being fair and calm, which accordingly was presently performed, and the ship brought into the channel, and from thence by several warps conveyed safely to her moorings by high water, keeping lights with reed all alongst the shore, till the mooring cables were taken in and made fast to the bits, 
which success with much thankfulness we acknowledged an especial mercy of God towards us. This done, I presently dispatched a messenger to Sir Robert Mansell at Greenwich, who came with all speed on board us, and according to his majesty's commandment, gave the name to the ship, and named her the Sovereign of the Seas. The next morning the company of the Trinity House Masters and others appointed to attend the launching, came according to the appointment to give their attendance, but finding the ship already launched, and at her moorings in the midst of the river, they seemed to be much discontented, that they were so disappointed and prevented, which they expressed as far as they durst. This morning Sir Robert Mansell rode away post to the King, lying then at Hampton Court, and acquainted His Majesty with our proceedings, who was wonderfully pleased with it. The week following we reared the shears to set the masts, which was performed with much safety and expedition, and all the masts set within fourteen days, and so soon as the rigging could be in some reasonable complete manner fitted, and sails brought to the yards, the ship was removed from Woolwich to Erith, by reason there was a greater depth of water to ride in. His Majesty had been on board of her before she went thence. On the 12th of May, 1638, the Sovereign set sail from Erith to Greenhithe, where she anchored to take in her ordnance and provisions. The 6th of June after, His Majesty, accompanied with the Queen, Duchess of Chevreuse, Duke and Duchess of Lennox, with divers other lords and ladies more, came on board the ship at Greenhithe, where they dined to their great content. At their going from the ship, we gave them seventeen pieces of ordnance. The 10th of February before, I received particular warrants from His Majesty at Council Table, being himself there present, for bringing the ship from Chatham to Woolwich Dock, which was by my care speedily performed, and the ship safely dry docked the 21st day of March following. About the 12th of July, the Sovereign weighed from Greenhithe and anchored a little beneath Gravesend, where she rode till the King's Majesty came on board her, which was upon the 21st day of July, being Saturday, coming down in his barge, and rode some part of the way against the tide. In the time of his being on board, His Majesty observed the condition of the ship as she now rode ready to sail, that is, the draught of water, the distance of the ports of the lower tier from the water, number of the ordnance, and all other circumstances to her complete furnishing, wherewith he was so well satisfied and pleased that he parted from her with as much expression of content and satisfaction as we could expect from him, to the general comfort of us all. Before His Majesty took barge, I had placed my then wife, Byland, daughter Anne, and many other gentlewomen, my special friends, in the great cabin to kiss His Majesty's hand, and prevailed with His Majesty to walk aft into the cabin, where His Highness most graciously gave each of them his hand to kiss. His Majesty then took his barge, and at his going from the ship we gave him seventy-two pieces of great ordnance. I then with my wife and friends went on shore, and took the coach and came directly home. Thursday, the 2nd of August, I took leave of my wife and friends at Chatham, after supper, so rode to Gravesend, thence on board the Sovereign, and lay on board in mine cabin, being the first night I lodged in her. Friday my son Peter came on board from Woolwich, then about ten of the clock we weighed from Gravesend, and stood down beneath Holehaven, and there anchored that night, being little wind. 
saturday morning the fourth of august we weighed from holehaven and stood down beneath the boy of the gunfleet where we anchored all that night sunday we came to an anchor right before margate town where we rode till thursday morning following then weighed and set sail with the wind at west but coming about the foreland we met the wind so far southerly as put us to go without the sand and blew so much wind as we could bear our topsails but half-mast high so that we could not possibly weather the south sand head the tides running all so dead we were forced to anchor in thirty-two fathom and there rode that night which proved reasonable fare friday morning the twentieth of august we weighed having the benefit of a whole tide of ebb we weathered the south sand head and stood in right thwart of dover but neither the town nor castle took notice of us so we put room into the downs and anchored as near sir john pennington then riding admiral as we conveniently could do being about eight of the clock in the morning we were saluted by the admiral and all the ships in the road whom we answered again giving the admiral twenty-one pieces this done we went on board the admiral sir john pennington to whom we were continual guests while we stayed in the downs wednesday morning being the fifteenth of august we set sail out of the downs the wind at south and sometimes south-west we turned to and fro with very foul weather till we came as high as thwart of shoreham or thereabouts the garland attending us who was not able to keep way with us which course we held till saturday the eighteenth day of august then finding in that time we had sufficient trial of the condition and working of the ship in all respects and having but a small proportion of victuals to stay out longer we resolved to bear up again for the downs which accordingly was done and about three o'clock afternoon we anchored close to the admiral sir john pennington entertaining us on board his ship all the time we rode by him tuesday morning the twenty first of august i took leave of the sovereign and the admiral and went on shore at deal where i found my man attending ready with my horses being the night before come hither where i presently took horse and rode directly to canterbury having visited sir henry palmer by the way i baited some hour or more at canterbury and took horse again and came home to my house at new dock a little after four in the afternoon giving god hearty thanks for my safe return finding my wife family and friends in a reasonable health the twenty eighth of august the sovereign came home to her moorings at st mary creek being tuesday the eighth of september my dear wife sickened taken with a violent fever being then great with child the nineteenth of september being wednesday between eight and nine o'clock in the morning she departed this life in a most christian manner surrendering up her spirit into his hands that gave it her the next day after being thursday she was buried in a seemly manner in chatham church close by the side of my first wife leaving me a sorrowful and disconsolate husband within few days after deceased also my wife's one sister and next neighbour wife to mr john short clerk of the check to his majesty's navy they sickened together she also being with child and knew not of one and t'other's death soon after died mr etherington their own father at mr short's house who came thither purposely to visit them 
after i had a little passed over this great and sudden affliction i prepared myself to go for london and having set all things in order on thursday morning the twenty seventh of september sixteen thirty eight i took leave of my family at chatham and rode to gravesend thence took boat to woolwich where i stayed one night and next day accompanied with my son peter we went by water to kingston where we took up our lodging in a private house the inns being full the next day being sunday we went by water to hampton court where we presented ourselves to his majesty who was pleased to use us very graciously where we spent that whole day at night returning by water to our lodging at kingston next morning my son and myself rode to sion to wait upon the lord admiral and was presently commanded by him to hasten to chatham to prepare barges and boats to be sent to dover for the receiving on shore the queen mother expected to arrive and land there here the manuscript ends End of section ten 